Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacey Jones, the founder of Influencer Marketing and Branded Content Agency, Hollywood Branded. This podcast provides brand marketers a learning platform for top experts to share their insights and knowledge on topics which make a direct impact on your business today. While it is impossible to be well-versed on every topic and strategy that can improve bottom line results, my goal is to help you avoid making costly mistakes of time, energy, or money, whether you are doing a DIY approach or hiring an expert to help. Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's your host, Stacy Jones. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today, and I want to give a very warm welcome to Jay Scott Christensen. Scott is an assistant teaching professor of management at Missouri's Trulass College of Business, where his interests are focused on the impact of technology on society and human well-being. Previously, Scott was a business owner with decades of experience in emerging technologies, including video conferencing, project management, and IT, where Scott's continued to work on hundreds of projects and remains actively involved in information technology initiatives and startups. Today, we're going to talk about how businesses can use artificial intelligence and marketing practices. We'll learn what's been working from Scott's perspective, what should be avoided, and how some businesses are currently missing the mark. Scott, welcome. So happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Stacy. I'm so happy to be here with you today, and I've had my own technology blunder, so I'm looking forward to chatting technology and AI and how it's here to make our life better, even when there's bumps along the way. Well, um, that sounds great. Uh, uh, AI is affecting us in a lot of ways we may not really even understand, you know, from all those uh, recommendations for what to watch on Netflix while we're sheltered in place during this uh, COVID epidemic, uh, to uh, what we're buying on Amazon, to um, all sorts of new emerging technologies that may affect our future in manufacturing and supply chain, uh, in all sorts of areas of business. And certainly that also applies to marketing, right? And, and uh, certainly uh, marketing platforms like Facebook, which are highly effective, not only because they have a lot of good data, but they know how to chew on that data, right? So that when we say AI, what we're really usually talking about is this thing called machine learning, where uh, a machine can kind of recognize a pattern. So they know that if, if Scott's online at 11 o'clock at night, maybe he's had a glass of wine and he's ready to buy something. And so maybe we can show him some ads for some uh, fancy new watches and uh, maybe he'll uh, be taken in by that. But uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about in coming up for this podcast is what would it be like if I was back running my business when something like this was to happen? You know, I'm, I'm actually transferred into a relatively safe job. Uh, you know, certainly universities and colleges have a lot of disruption now, but being a business owner, I think it's prepared me for uh, being ready for disruption. Uh, so I'm able to go along with the flow, but a relatively stable position there, right? And I'm thinking about when I was starting my business, I, if I had just launched my business when this COVID uh, pandemic started, what tools would I use to try and survive? And so I looked around and I found a couple that are kind of interesting that use AI and that small businesses might be able to use to improve their business. Now, one of the things that I had to do when I was first starting was to make cold calls. And I'm sure you've had to do that as well. Of course. And that's not always the fun 
aspect of owning a business, right? There's very few people who actually like making cold calls in life and more power to them. They get a lot of heat on that other right. end of the line. Yes. Right. They, if, if you can uh, suffer some rejection, if you can suffer that in anticipation of rejection, mm -hmm. right? So sometimes it'd be nice to know a little bit more about the personality of the person you're trying to call. And so there's an interesting um, site, it's called Crystal Knows, like crystal like the gem, and then knows like you know something. And what this website does, or what this company does, is they actually go to your LinkedIn profile, or a person's LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. and they try to analyze what is this person like based on what other people um, that are similar to them are like. So it uses this machine learning algorithm to uh, I'm madly typing this down myself so I can look at it while you're talking. Yeah, so, um, so you can find out a little bit about who you're going to call before you actually make that phone call. Okay. So certainly you can connect on LinkedIn. Now, I did this on you. I kind of stalked you a little bit. Great. Uh, Bring it on. Artificial intelligence. And it says here, uh, Stacy Jones is uh, persuasive and charismatic, often able to communicate a bold it vision to others. She's adventurous and visionary. Now what's kind of interesting too is that they try to come up with some um, things that you can say to Stacy. Uh, so uh, what comes naturally to Stacy? Well she gets bored fairly easily. She uh, likes to make decisions quickly with gut instinct and sticks to the big picture vision of what's going on. Very now, I don't, scary. I don't know if that does that. It's, it's, it's spot on so far, yes. And I will tell you this, that we have, and I know you're gonna probably dive in even deeper, but we have sales software that we use and I've always scoffed at it because it has something built into this and it's like, Charles is so-and-so, he's this way and he's that way. I'm like, yeah, right. Like they never really know what Charles is. Well, maybe they do, okay. Right. So this is, once again, this machine learning algorithm, it's kind of interesting because it gets better and better the more it goes along. So if we were using this for sales calls, I would also provide it some feedback, right? Okay. So th this is correct or not. Now it's, it says here, if I was trying to make a, a pitch to you, that I might want to tell a story, right? So I might not want to give you all the technical specs about some new video camera or something like that. You're not going to be energized by that. But if I tell you, Stacy, this is going to make uh, your... Uh, your story somewhat much more real and, and things like that, you might be much more interested, right? Okay. Um, what drains you? Uh, rigid, inflexible schedules, overly flat, factual, lackluster discussions. So now some of this, when we hear it, it may be a little bit of a confirmation bias mm -hmm. because uh, my uh, profile said I was easygoing and I would like to think I'm easygoing. And uh, <laughs> you, you might want to ask some of my students, especially after we finished up finals last week. Whether uh, or not whether that's true. I'm yes. easygoing or not. Uh, but there were some things in there, like it says, Scott likes to work alone. Don't pressure him to make a decision. And I found that to be very true. If I get pressured to make a decision, I'll just walk away, you know, from a sale or something like that. So um, I think these are interesting tools that if you are having to make cold calls, even if this isn't 100% accurate, it, it lets you put a little bit of a model in your mind of the person that you're talking to, right? And how you might be able to get to know them a little bit before you actually interact with them.
This could even be really great for new teams that you have and you're hiring on. I mean, obviously there's Myers-Briggs, there's all these different personality tests that you can take out there, but this sounds like this is software that you could apply to HR potentially as well to get some insights on the teams you're building internally. And that's actually the founders of this company. They had started a, a company before and they did some bad hires and their company kind of fell apart because of that. And so they decide that they really need to dig deep into why do teams work together? How do you um, build, build a team up? Who do you really want to hire? So that's why they kind of started with LinkedIn, uh, but have been moving in some other areas where they're, um, you know, being able to help companies build these teams up. That's very cool. And yeah, they have the whole, they've written a book, Predicting Personality. So this is what they do inside and out. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, no problem. There's a couple other ones that I thought might be of interest to your uh, audience, especially those that are, have a small business or starting out or maybe having to restart their business after this whole pandemic thing. There's another one that a, another student uh, found and showed me called First Rain. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, what they do is they go out and they try to profile companies. So they basically scrape the internet and they look at different companies. So they would find uh, your company and they might find my company and they're going to try and analyze all the information that's posted about those companies. And then what they're going to try to do is match that with your service or your product and say, okay, of the companies that you could approach, here are the top rank ones that are going to have a need that's going to fit what you're going to be selling or maybe in a demographic that uh, is going to fit what you need as far as mm -hmm. the size of the company. So for my uh, business, we aim mainly for small and mid-sized businesses. We didn't go after very big corporate accounts because we'd be competing directly with Cisco and other right. big companies, and we just didn't have the resources to do that. So I really wanted to cherry pick those really good small companies that I could market to and would provide substantial value to, which I'd be willing to pay for. So that's another way that um, another company, and I think there's going to be more and more of these, there's another one called Seamless AI that does the same sort of thing, where it's kind of a lead generation database, but they're using AI to try and uh, identify what are the best leads and how to approach those leads. And what we'll be doing is putting all of these companies that you're naming in our, um, our podcast notes so that people can actually refer to them and get the links directly. So thank you for that too. Um, you're welcome. And I would say the other thing that uh, you can look at is there's lots of other software such as uh, Salesforce, which you may be familiar with, that these systems integrate with. So if you're needing to populate your Salesforce database with new leads, if you're need looking at, uh, you know, uh, well, you, you're more the expert on the marketing. Uh, I mean, probably we don't do mailings anymore, <laughs> but, but if you're looking at uh, how to separate out uh, those demographic groups, uh, that's a good way to kind of get a good start is to look at some of these systems that can use AI and then feed that into Salesforce and these other tools. Yeah, I'm sure there's data automation processes where they link in together through Zapier or something like that where they can speak to each other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the only thing that I would kind of put a little caution on is we have to always realize with AI that it's... Um, kind of adheres to this old computer science principle of garbage in, garbage out, if you remember that. So if we train it with uh, d data that may have a bias, 
uh, then we may uh, end up with an AI that has a little bit of a bias as well. So sometimes we want to be a little bit careful to still have that kind of human expert knowledge to check uh, with what's going on. Uh, because we may find that we're kind of limiting ourselves in, by these AIs. Certainly they can be a great tool, but uh, when it comes to certain things, such as in my area of higher education recruitment, uh, we might want to uh, think outside the, the box a little bit as far as how are we are training these artificial intelligence systems. So what you're saying is job security is still there for people because AI needs to be checked. Yes, I think so. And I think also uh, what we're looking at is how do we work alongside AI? So I know we talk a lot or we hear a lot about replacement of jobs with AI. And there may be some of that going on. Uh, certainly there's some things that are easy to automate that may eliminate certain jobs. But a lot of it is really going to be how do we work alongside AI or how do we work alongside a machine learning algorithm because uh, this uh, machine learning algorithm may not understand the strategy that our business has, right? So it can do something very narrow, but maybe we're doing some things to uh, enter a new market. We're doing something that is uh, maybe a machine learning algorithm isn't gonna optimize as well because it doesn't understand the strategy that we're trying to do. So it's very good at kind of repeating and automating things, but um, that's one of the things we need to think about. When you're, you know, you spend your core time now, your days in and out with college students mm -hmm. um, and helping them understand what the future looks like and where specifically here artificial intelligence plays a role and technology plays a role. What type of guidance are you giving them on the types of training and the knowledge that they need to be getting under their belt to make them more marketable for the future? For the future, you know, businesses where people are listening in on our podcast today, like how should people be actually approaching this now? Well, there's a couple things in there. Um, one, I do think you have to really be aware of what's going on. So I, one of the things that I um, do in my classes now is I suggest they subscribe to some sort of daily um, newspaper, like there's the Daily Skim or the Morning Brew, a number of these things that at least summarize. And if you've read any of those newsletters, it's the same business, that you, business news that you and I are getting in the Wall Street Journal, but it's told in kind of a sarcastic, uh, um, I don't know if sarcastic is the best word, but a, uh, a way that is accessible to students, right? And I- Bite-sized information. Bite-sized information. What's the headline? What's the first paragraph? Yeah. And you have to know what your environment is in order to be able to react and succeed in that environment. So even, thing, even though things are kind of scary and changing right now, you got to understand what's going on. So that's one thing I always tell my students. I also mm -hmm. tell my students, um, and that's not necessarily just for AI or anything like that, but that you'll, they're going to see the changes that are happening. But the other thing I tell my students is you need to kind of be the intersection of two different areas. So uh, be the accountant that also uh, really understands how to do visualization or be the IT guy that understands about, uh, is certified in uh, uh, global uh, uh, as a global supply chain certificate. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, looking at those places where there's an overlap has always worked very well for me. Uh, for example, as you mentioned, I'm a teaching professor right now. Yep. 
I'm not the greatest professor in the world. Uh, I'm not the worst either, right? Uh, now I, I'm a technology guy. Am I the greatest technology guy? No, but I'm not the worst, right? But there's very few technology guys that also like to teach. Yeah. And so being at that intersection makes me a more valuable commodity. And that was the same way in my business. We specialized in video conferencing technology. And in the 90s, when I started that, there was companies that did audiovisual work. And there were also companies that did networking work. But there were very few that were at that intersection. That was where video conferencing was. And so it worked very well for us because we had a nice niche, right? There's no Zoom back then. Yes, yes. <laughs> Why? Um, yeah, I'm kind of glad I'm out of that, that market now. <laughs> the, the margins on uh, selling something like Zoom would not be that great. No. But, um, but yeah, so you have to be able to adapt with the times. You have to know what's going on uh, and trying to be that intersection. And I realize that doesn't relate specifically to machine learning or AI, but I think that helps you with any field that's changing. It also allows you to kind of hedge your bet a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have your feet in two different kind of uh, fields, if something goes south on one, you kind of have a little bit of a hedge on the other, right? And I think also for those individuals who, even if it doesn't come naturally to them, if they can start looking, if they're working and their future is going to be working in technology, because there's not really many jobs or businesses or environments where technology doesn't play a role nowadays. Like you don't necessarily need to know how to do it on the back end but you need to understand how dots are connected and what the results are supposed to be on the front end so that you can start looking for solutions of things that can be automated and things that can be made easier. And also just more so, not necessarily understand how to fix it if it breaks, but understand that there are fixes out there to make things run more smoothly. And those people are gonna be more hireable. Yes, I think always looking for productivity shortcuts, that's one of the things I also share with my students is how I try to uh, increase my productivity and how I track things mm -hmm. because I think they think we have it all figured out as professors and we don't have it all figured out. And uh, the other thing is to understand that you can do things, right? So uh, one of the things I do in uh, one class is we actually program Amazon Alexis. Mm -hmm. It only takes about 45 minutes to do that. And you can do that for, if you have one at home, Stacy. you can try this tonight. It's about a 45 minute YouTube video. Just search for how to program your Amazon Alexa and you can uh, make your own little program to have it say things when you uh, uh, give it certain prompts. And so I think we've built up this idea that technology is really, really hard. And maybe some of us technologists start to blame for that, but uh, it's actually much easier than it ever has been in the past. Yeah, if you take shortcuts to that how-to video, by the way, and you try just to DIY it yourself, what happens is that the Alexa system you have bought your mother and put in all of her rooms in her house so that she has an emergency in music or can listen to recipes, sometimes sends her your things instead so that all of a sudden my husband will ask for Alexa in the room to play some music and it starts really loudly in her bedroom in the middle oh, of the no. night. <laughs> or, or talking to her about something else. So technology has some uh, interesting little tweaks along the way. 
Right. Well, it's moving fast. And yes. So it doesn't always, uh, you, there's a fast or perfect and, and uh, yeah. there's always a trade-off there. Well, even with Alexa, you know, businesses, there's so much that businesses are missing out on. I know that when I started this podcast, that was one of the first things I figured out. How do I get my podcast on Alexa? Right. Uh -huh. And so I wanted to be part of morning briefings. I wanted to be able to have that opportunity. Um, there's just so many things in that whole world that you can now do with your business where you can start having daily conversations with your customers at home um, based on things that they're looking for and skills that you're setting up on the back end mm -hmm. as well. Well, and even just starting to understand some of these tools that, uh, uh, marketers are using. So if you're a small business like mine, maybe you uh, don't have a big marketing budget or you have to do a lot of it yourself, DIY marketing, uh, look at Google Trends, get certified on uh, Google Analytics and learn how those professionals are doing that work. And that can also help you and how you're presenting things. So if you know how people are searching for things, that, that's going to help with your cold calls or your scripts, mm -hmm. other things like that, because we tend to sometimes operate in a little bit of a bubble, right? So especially as technologists, we tend to get in our little bubble and we uh, like our technology and we don't know how to talk about it with other people. We don't know how to tell the story about how it's going to improve their lives or improve their businesses. And, you know, touching on social media, like Facebook and Instagram, they have an AI structure built in for all of their advertising, right? Yes, exactly. And so you just need to know who your demographic is and they will actually help you reach them. You don't have to know all that much anymore to do that. Right, so uh, there's a lot of training tools in, in all of these areas, Google and uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, all those places have their particular tools and they have their pluses and minuses and you can really figure out how to optimize the distri distribution of your content. So if you're going to go through the trouble of actually making a YouTube video or making a uh, ad or uh, try to put a website together, you want to maximize that return on investment. Mm -hmm. And so just a little tweak with understanding these tools, understanding how to communicate a little bit better, understanding what's trending now is also uh, really important. And when you're thinking AI and artificial intelligence, does that is that what would people would still consider like with HubSpot where you're able to set up emails where they're on a schedule basis and if your person responds to you it breaks the schedule so that they're not clobbered up when you know they're like they respond they buy but the next email that is in the system gets cut off before it says don't you want to purchase so these are smart systems built into software yeah, so a lot of it's just looking at patterns, right? So you send out emails, you look at, okay, here uh, people that are in their 50s are, are opening this stuff early in, in the morning, mm -hmm. right? Because they're getting up, they're having their cup of coffee. The uh, people in their 20s are op opening it at night or maybe uh, uh, at noon when they're having lunch. So they're not going to do that first thing in the morning. So... Um, you know, I think that what it does is just look at those patterns. This, the machine learning gets better. It learns what those mm -hmm. patterns are, and it can optimize. So uh, HubSpot, MailChimp, they will send out uh, emails at the most appropriate time for uh, maximum openings. And they'll even do it, if you get your email together well enough in advance, they'll do it all around the world. Yeah. Right, so the people that are in Ukraine get it at the time that's optimized for people in Ukraine to 
open that email and people in Japan get it at a different time. And they're so, doing all of that from IP addresses because it has that insight over where those email addresses are actually connected. Exactly. And so just by taking a little bit more time and using some of these tools and learning how they're um, uh, can optimize processes like that. If you produce an email newsletter and you can get a 10% more open rate, and today if you can get a 2% more sales rate, uh, that's going to mean a lot to your bottom line in these, uh, in, well, in any time, really. What else do you teach your students that you think our listeners might be interested in? One of the things that we teach a lot is the project management, and it was really fun this past semester when we moved that all online. Um, and I do mean that not facetiously, because we were just about to talk about agile project management and how we kind of track things through workflows. And my students, I was very proud of them. They stepped up to the plate uh, and they decided that they would like to do the simulation that we normally do with Legos in person or would they build a city out of Legos for me? And they decided they want to do that in Minecraft. So they first had to teach me how to use Minecraft. <laughs> and then I taught them Trello and a technique called Scrum to uh, track the user stories of the different buildings and the different infrastructure that was needed in the city. And uh, I played the role of the mayor. So it was my city they were building. And we used Zoom and uh, in combination with Minecraft Education Edition. And they actually built this uh, pretty fantastic city um, and very cooperatively. And uh, I was really impressed with it. And we actually did a little tour, uh, video tour for our dean. Uh, and uh, there's a lot of things that uh, were fun about that class, but we also learned a lot. So uh, uh, we use Trello, which is an online tool that probably some people have heard of. And it allows you to kind of track your workflow. And especially mm -hmm. if you're a small business owner and you're easily distracted, especially in these distracting times, it helps you kind of limit the work in progress. So you can prioritize. This is the thing I need to do. This is what I'm working on today. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I've got it done. Now I'm going to go pick the next thing. So it's, a, it's kind of a workflow process. Mm -hmm. So um, project management is the other big topic that I teach. And uh, in all of these uh, uh, courses that I teach, we get to explore emerging technologies like AI, right. uh, like smart grid systems for our energy systems. Uh, we cover uh, just a whole host of things. When you touch on Scrum, I know some of the people listening are like, I totally know what that is. And there's other people who are like, what's that? Can you share a little bit more insight on that? Well, Scrum is uh, one uh, framework that we can use to get work done in a way that's very, I guess I could say very quick as far as the um, time from when we start work to when we have at least something that's working that we can present to our customer. So the idea is to get um, something completed that uh, our customer can use or they can evaluate, maybe not getting everything completed, right? Mm -hmm. So if you think about the way software projects used to be done in the past, you would write all these specifications, you then go analyze what that was going to mean, then you'd go and program it, and then you'd test it out, and then you'd finally get it to your customer. That was called waterfall. If you ever did get it to the customer. If you ever you? did that. <laughs> well, let's think about if you were just even doing a website, okay? So if you were a, a website producer and you're doing using that method for your customer, by the time you get down to the end there where you present it to your customer three months later, well, maybe 
the customer had some assumptions that you didn't understand, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes customers don't know what they want until they see it, or even know what they don't want until they see it. And uh, so now you'd have to go back and redo ma major parts of it. Uh, also, the market may have changed. You know, think about if you were designing a, um, a website for uh, uh, house rentals here in Columbia, Missouri, and you'd been contracted back in February, and you came back in June. Well, the world has changed as far as house rentals go, right? So uh, we might need to have, uh, have adapted and change the length of contract, the way the cleaning's done, all sorts of other stuff, right? So this idea of Scrum is that what we're gonna do is we maybe don't get the entire website completed, but we take the high priority items for the customer and we work on those and maybe a two week sprint, we call it. And uh, then we present that to the customer and they can say, oh my gosh, you're, you're totally on the right page with this part. And oh wait, I, I, I assumed everything was gonna be red. Did you know I like red? <laughs> so, You're like, then, no, we liked blue. We thought right, blue exactly. was the color. We assumed you're, you're, you had a water company, it would be blue. Uh, we thought that was a valid assumption, but yeah. apparently not. So um, now we can go back and fix that right away, yeah. right? And so then we go back for another two weeks and we, we pick the next high, highest priority items as well as fixing anything from the last time. We go through, we do it again, we present it to the customer. So we actually find that this will take less total time, there'll be less rework, and you can start providing value earlier. So let's say in the, after that first two weeks of work, I said, oh my gosh, Stacy, that's great. I know we got these quick tweaks to make, but would you please go ahead and release this website because I can start getting some customers now. Yeah. Same sort of thing with marketing campaigns. You know, Let's design something, let's test it now. This is good enough to test. Mm -hmm. Let's do some A-B testing yeah. or multivariant testing while we're, while we're getting the rest of this ready. You know? So there's uh, just a lot of value to, to using Scrum and to using various agile techniques. Uh, once again, it's not too hard. Uh, and if you are interested in any of these things, there are professional organizations in North America. There's the um, Project Management Institute, and I'm sure they have local chapters. They have a local chapter here in Columbia um, that do training, that have experts that you can network with and learn about this. And there's certainly a lot of books written on the subject. Yes, yes. A lot of books have titles with including Scrum, uh, Scrum Now, the days yeah. that I've seen. Yes. Well, I always uh, steal a quote that I think is from Picasso, but it's been attributed to other people as well. He said that uh, he was accused one time of stealing the style of another artist. And he said, exactly. Good artists borrow, great artists steal. And I always say good project managers borrow, great project managers steal. And so you're starting to see people that will uh, kind of hybridize. So let's say, okay, we're going to use Scrum for this, but I still want to use a traditional kind of risk management approach for this project because I have some other things I'm concerned about or a stakeholder management approach. So um, too many times we get kind of locked in this idea that you're going to do it this way or this way or this way. And what you got to do is you just kind of steal the best ideas. Yeah, I think that's a good rule to live life by pretty much. I mean, let someone else do your learning from you for you, take it on, and run with it and improve it. Exactly, exactly. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much uh, for all of your insights and sharing. And it's very scary what you first dug up as far as the accuracy <laughs> of the person you described is indeed me. Um, so thank you for that too. I have another software tool I'm gonna have our team check out.
Okay, very good. Thank you so much. Of course. And then um, how, if people ever have questions and they want to get in touch with you, and we'll put it in the show notes as well, how can they reach out to you and learn more? They can uh, reach me on my website, which is christiansenjs.com. And uh, uh, I also have a little newsletter there if they're interested. It's, it's nothing advertisement or anything like that. It's just kind of uh, things like this that I discover. I just share with uh, former students and colleagues. And so it's kind of my way to uh, keep sharing uh, in this time of isolation. That's very cool. Thank you so much. Any last words of parting advice? Just stay safe. And I think we should all be very grateful for what we have in these times. I know we all get very stressed out, very worried about things, but uh, you know, I'm very, very grateful for all that I have and all the people that love me and then all the people that I get to love. Well, that is a lovely sentiment. Thank you. Okay. So again, thank you so much, Scott, for joining us today. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Marking Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I look forward to chatting with you on our next podcast.